Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. How are we doing today? Thank you, Mr. Brian. You love God today? He's amazing, amen? Well, I want to thank Pastor Mark one more time for having me stand in front of the sheep today. You can be seated. He said I could do whatever I wanted. I could take the whip and knock the hide off of you if I needed to. No, that's not the type of church we are, amen? We're a loving church. We love God today. He's amazing. I want to say hello to those that are watching via your gadgets today. I want you to real quickly turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and also chapter 2. And I believe that America as it once was seemingly is no more. Life the way it used to be has changed. There are so many different philosophies in the world today that you don't know what's what. But the Bible tells us that we are not to be duped by modern-day philosophies. We're not to be duped by man-made. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophies that depend on man. And I believe that we're in a time right now in America where everyone has a philosophy of their own. And there are so many people right now that are struggling. We're not satisfied. There may be some of you that came to church today and you're not satisfied, but for some reason or another, and you've been searching for satisfaction. And today we're going to try and help you go back to the basics. And so if you'll just stand up again, I know you just sit down, but then hold your Bibles up if you found Ecclesiastics. And we're going to declare today that this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what my Bible says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess, my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same, never, 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 in Jesus' name, somebody say, woo, amen, hopefully you're awake on that right there, well, we want to thank God again for those that are watching via the internet today, I'm excited today because uh, I should be excited, amen. Do we have any excited people in the house today? Hallelujah. You know, there are 325.7 million people in the United States of America and counting. As I went over today to look at the world clock this morning, it shows that uh, the rate of birth and the rate of death, it says 131.4 million births every year. There are 55.3 million people die every year. 360 births every day, 151 die every day, 15,000 born each hour, 6,316 people die each hour, 250 births each minute, 105 people die each minute, and I hurry up and got out of that blog so something wouldn't happen to me. (laughs) So that was kind of scary. With all these people coming into the world, they are going to come under some type of training from their parents. Or are they going to run off and get involved in a gang? They're going, to see, they're going to seek to be satisfied in some capacity. Somewhere they want to be satisfied. And someone is going to teach them something as they're growing up in life. 
I know as a little boy, as I was growing up, my parents taught me the things of God. My mother taught me how to pray and how to believe God and all those things as a little kid. And the Bible says, train up a child in the way they should go when they're young and when they're old, they will not depart from it. And so in my life, that has worked for me. My mother taught me the ways of God and the, all, all the other philosophies that you would latch on to. If they couldn't pray them off you, they would beat them off of you. Amen. Amen. They would drag you down to the altar. If you didn't look saved, they would just take you to the altar. You walk by your grandmother, you best be looking saved. Amen. Because if not, they would, they would sit you on the altar and pray over you and make sure that you got, you got the philosophies of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about the cross. The blood of Jesus Christ. They preached the cross back in that day. Jesus dying and being resurrected and him being all that we need. That's all we knew. And so we didn't have to come up with any other modern day philosophies. And so reports show that people living in the United States are less happy than before the recession. It's saying that Americans are not happy. We are not satisfied. And the United States rank, is ranked now as the 14th happiest country in the world, according to the latest World Happiest Report. And they say Denmark is rated number one. So I guess if we want to be happy, we need to move to Denmark. But how many of us know we can be happy in Oklahoma City? Because where the spirit of the living God is, there's liberty, there's happiness, there's joy, and there's direction and purpose. And it goes on, so why are we so unhappy? And so I Google, I, I just kind of Google, why is America so unhappy? And Caitlyn Jenner's name came up. No, 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 don't, no, don't, don't laugh. And the reason I say that is because I'm not, I'm not going to make fun of Caitlyn, but her name came up when I said, I just Googled, why are people so unhappy? And Caitlyn's memoir came up and she was talking and on her transitioning, it was, she said, it was hard for me to give up old Bruce. He still lives inside of me, but I wasn't satisfied with Bruce anymore. And so she got to that point some kind of way in her life. And I just remember Bruce as running and leaping and jumping and diving. And he was our hero. He was on the Wheaties box. And I don't know what happened for him to take on another philosophy. I'm saying him. And I still believe it's a him. I'm just going to call him Bruce. I, I, I can't. I, I, and I'm not being. I just I don't, don't laugh. I'm trying to intro into something. But I wonder what would have happened if somebody would have sit down with Bruce and said, well, listen, let's talk about Jesus before you do this. How many of you know that a God idea is better than a good idea? And so I don't know how it happened, but it did happen. And so I didn't come to make fun, but we, how do you get so unsatisfied that you want to change your life? But there are, there are many of you sitting under the sound of my voice today. Maybe you came in church today and you're not satisfied, but yet you're not pushed out on social media and, and, every, and the whole world know that you're not satisfied. But on the inside, you walked in today and you're not satisfied. And we're going to try and use the life of, of Solomon today to show you that satisfaction does not come in things. And so how many of us today are not satisfied and you're trapped in some kind of way and you don't know how to get out and pastors all around the world today are preaching all over America and around the world pastors are preaching just as I am today here in Oklahoma City we're preaching but we cannot twist your arm or we cannot hold a gun on you to make you come out of your unsatisfied state of mind 
The Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but it's only by the spirit of the living God. That's the only way you're ever going to be happy, I believe. Uh, I, hey, listen, when, I, when God saved me coming down I-40 in an 18-wheeler, I had everything a man could want. I had money in my pocket, money in the bank, money in the credit union, had two Cadillacs, a beautiful home, had a wife, even a dog in the backyard. <laughs> That's the American dream. I had kids the whole nine, but something was missing on the inside. And I went down the road one day, and my wife had come home. She was all happy and lit up and illuminated and said she had met her man by the name of Jesus, and she was all happy and glowing. And I was trying to get away from those people, the glowing Christians. Even my two daughters, they came in, and they were saying, Daddy, we met Jesus. I was well, good for you. <laughs> Amen. But, but something had changed their lives. And so I, I decided one day that, you know, I just didn't want to deal with these people. And so I would raise all kinds of cane. And whenever I seen the Christians coming, I would go into the backyard. I would just keep me a little bottle of little something, something in the backyard. <laughs> you know, just to get away from the Christian. You know what I'm saying? And so finally one day I'm driving down the road in an 18-wheeler. And I say, God... What is all this stuff? My wife and my kids seem so satisfied. And here I am. I'm the only stupid one left in the house. And I said, if you who they say you are, I said, then touch me too. Oh, I shouldn't have never asked that. Because he came down in that 18-wheeler, something like liquid love. And I'm telling you, it, it got all over me. And it's the same yesterday as it is today. Amen. He changed my life. And so I became satisfied in Christ. And so I was walking through my yard yesterday trying to get, a, get away from all the little people. And, and God gave me, he put something on my mind out of Luke chapter 19. Y'all can stay in Ecclesiastes. But he said that he was headed into Jerusalem. And when he was come near the city, he, he beheld the city. He looked over the city and he began to weep. And the reason Jesus began to weep is because that city needed something but they they were unsatisfied but they needed something but they were not taking on the principles of God and he looked over the city and he began to cry and weep because they were desecrating the temple and doing their own thing and Jesus had come and the reason he cried and wept is because he said that generation had missed their visitation they didn't even know who had come to the city and he wept over that city because the moment came when Jesus showed up. How many times has Jesus come into your presence and you've missed your visitation? Because we've been so busy or we have so much pain and so many philosophies that we don't need God. I don't know about you, but I need God. I need the principles of God. I need Jesus in my life. I cannot make it by coming up with man-made philosophies on my life on my, my, my family life, on my daily life, on the ministry that God has entrusted me to. There are times when you are totally overwhelmed, and those are the moments when you got to grab yourself in the collar and say, Be still, God. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as eagles with wings, and they'll soar over the top of their problems. And yes, it's hard to do that every time. There are times when you just want to do your own thing. And I'm thinking about in 1965, the great poet wrote these words to a song, I can't get no satisfaction. 
Mick Jagger. He said, I tried and I tried and I tried, but I can't get no satisfaction. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That you're in this world today and you're trying to find your way. You're trying to get satisfied. And it is amazing how we go through our entire life never truly feeling satisfied. There are men and women today that are in marriages and they're not satisfied. But the bottom line is, if you don't let God back into that marriage and let the principles of Jesus Christ reign in that marriage, you're never going to be satisfied. And guess what? When you go and find that other lady or that other man and you don't let Jesus in, woohoo! you're still not going to be satisfied. Amen. Got quiet right there. I'm just trying to help a sister and a brother today. You're never going to be satisfied in anything unless Jesus takes a part in it. And so this song really could be the soundtrack to the book of Ecclesiastics. And the book of Ecclesiastes is basically a journey of King Solomon when he is going through a pretty tough time in his life. He's searching for fulfillment and satisfaction. Every last one of us want to be fulfilled and we want to be satisfied. But what is your philosophy? What, what, what risk are you going to take with Jesus and what risk are you going to take with the world? In your own thoughts, in your own philosophies. I can tell you right now, it's not going to work. If Jesus is not in it, in America, I wish they could hear this today, that if Jesus is not in it, if he's not in our nation, if he's not in our, in our White House, if he's not in politics, if he, it just won't happen. It's not going to happen. I've never seen a world so divided as we are right now. Ain't no, ain't no one is satisfied. The Republicans are not satisfied. The Democrats are not satisfied. No one is satisfied. And my little granddaughter, three years old, yesterday came up, and she wasn't satisfied about something. And I'm like, you're only three. What do you mean you're not satisfied? What do you need? Amen? I mean, come on. You're three years old, and you're not satisfied. You don't have no bills to pay. And you're crying. You're not satisfied. Really? And then how do you walk in my house and tell me to turn the air down? I'm cold. I pay the mortgage here. <laughs> really? She ain't satisfied. It's easy. Ever since man has been kicked out of the garden, we've never been satisfied. The Lord gave. He gave the woman and the man the do's and don'ts of the garden. He said, do not touch the fruit, the tree in the middle of the garden, and you will be satisfied. But guess what? The man is out working. The woman decides that she's not satisfied. And so she starts talking to the UPS driver. I mean, to the serpent. <laughs> I said this in prison one time, Brian, and a lady in prison jumped in and said, how'd you know? I said, lady, I didn't, but we know now. I've been hanging out with the UPS driver. So he gave him the do's and don'ts of the garden. And some kind of way she became unsatisfied with the principles of God. She take up the fruit. Her husband comes home, takes up the fruit. And now we're trying to work our way through the Old Testament. Trying to work our way through the Old Testament. Trying to get over to the New Testament. Where there's that final sacrifice. And the Bible says if you neglect that one, there is no other one. We're trying to get to Jesus and put our trust and our hope in the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we go, and King Solomon could not get any satisfaction. He began to talk about the meaning of life in Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 2. He starts off by telling you and I that it was meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher 
utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. The man had everything you could think of, and we're going to talk about some of those things. But he said it was all meaningless. And at one point in his life, he was full of meaning and purpose until he began to drift away from God. You and I are no different. We have meaning and purpose in our life. I love God. I love the things of God. I love the ministry that he's placed in my heart. But if I begin to operate out of my flesh and out of my own philosophies, and then I end up trying to find my way back. I don't want to start all over again. I don't want to come from the bottom back to the top. This is why I grab myself in the collar every day and begin to speak to my flesh and say, God has called you to a higher calling than where you are. God has called you to think a little bit better than where you're thinking right now. If you think that you're going to control your flesh by shutting up, you better talk to yourself. Because when you get up in the morning, your flesh is already talking to you. You get up in, your, in the morning, your flesh say, get me some coffee right now. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody. Your flesh is start telling you to get things that you know you ain't supposed to have. And when my flesh get crazy like that, I say to my flesh, flesh, the best feeling in the entire world is to get up in the morning and not have to repent for something I did last night. So now get in line with the word of God. The enemy would love nothing better than to take uh, the men and women of God down, to take us down. But the devil is a lie. You got to make sure that he stays in his place and you stay in your place. We don't come up with, with new philosophies. We got to learn how to pray. And so at, at one point, Solomon is doing very well. But then he begins to drift and Solomon goes on a 40-year journey to find the meaning of life. I come to tell you his story today so that you won't have to go running around lost for 40 years trying to find yourself. And we get so upset about everything. We all get so unsatisfied. My neighbor is not here today. He was in the first service, but I hadn't seen him in a long time. And I, and I went over and I said, hey, bro, what's the deal? I haven't seen you in church. And I shared this with you. He doesn't care. He's got over it now. He said, well, I'm not satisfied with the way they do the altar call. I was like, what? I'm like, really? That's why you, that's why you ain't come to church? Because you're not satisfied with the way we do the altar call? I know back in the day we used to lay hands on them and they would slobber at the mouth and fall over. <laughs> Maybe we should get back to that. <laughs> Maybe we just, just line them up like a machine gun. Just not, you know, hey, I ain't mad at you. If Pastor Mark has one of those healing services, I want a part of that. I want some of that. Because when I was a little boy, if you didn't speak in tongues and, and, and slobber at the mouth, you wouldn't say no, get back down there and slobber a little bit more. That's not enough. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? They sent you on the altar. You, you couldn't come to the altar and not leave saved. Amen? And some of us learn how to make it till we fake it till we make it. We were just fit for no reason. They made sure you got it. Amen? And so if you and I would read this book and apply it to our lives, we would not have to go 40 years on a journey just to know who you are. We don't have to go 40 years searching, who am I? What do I do? Why am I not so satisfied? You got to come back to the principles of God. It's not easy. I, I didn't know that I would be preaching all this time as long as I have it, going into a place called prison where people are so unsatisfied. 
You know, I was visiting the, the one lady that's on death row in, the, in, in, the, in our state of Oklahoma. And, and, and we talk every Sunday. We do communion together. And the one thing that she has assured me that if and when that time comes, that she's satisfied with who, who she is in Jesus. I never questioned her about the do's and the don'ts and what happened and how come. I'm not to do that. That's not why I'm there. I'm there to make sure that she is satisfied with Jesus Christ. And whatever happens after that, that's up to God in the state of Oklahoma. But we have incredible times because she is satisfied knowing that she is a child of the Most High God. Can I get an amen? amen? And so no man before or since had all the wealth and glory and recognition and honor that was given to Solomon. Solomon was a blessed man. And he tried to find satisfaction in many things, but I could hear him saying this after every time, I just can't get no satisfaction. And some of us right now, you're looking and searching to be satisfied. The whole world wants to be satisfied. We all want to be honored and esteemed, but at some point in your life, when it's not happening, you got to hold fast to the things that you already know. We can't turn loose what we already know. We got to wait on God. I didn't get to where I am today by standing in God's face and shaking my finger and going, you need to hurry up, dude. <laughs> you know, you, you can be unsatisfied, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew that strength. You're going to mount up as eagles. You're going to fly and soar over the top of your problems. They that wait upon the Lord, you got to be patient with God. You cannot change the philosophy. You cannot change the direction of your life. You doesn't have the power to change the course in your life. You doesn't have the power. You don't have the power to navigate your life. And this is why men and women should, if you're in a relationship, you should help each other to navigate a life with Christ. Amen. 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 You know, uh, most men, when, when, they meet, when they meet someone and they tell a friend about it, and, and the guys, they well, what does she look like? You ask a woman, they're telling each other you know, about the, they met a man, they go, what kind of job he got? Can he help a sister navigate a dream? Amen? That's why God puts us, we help each other to stay down in the saddle to navigate a dream. You got quiet right there. And so the first thing he was consumed with was knowledge. He wanted to be able to figure out everything, to be smarter than everyone. And he wrote books. The book of Proverbs record his sayings and his wisdom. But the book of Ecclesiastes graphically records his failures in life. So uh, all that Solomon had, he, he did great things. But he just wasn't satisfied in Ecclesiastes 1, 12 through 14. It says the teacher was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to study and to explore by wisdom all that is done under heaven. And what a heavy burden God has laid on men. And then he goes on to say, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun, all of them. Somebody say all of them. And then he said, they are meaningless and I was just a chasing in the wind. There are men and women today that are trying to get to the top of the corporate ladder, trying to get there with God. Only when you find yourself at the top of the corporate ladder, you'll find yourself lonely and depressed and oppressed. And some of them even got their hair pressed. That's a lot of pressing, amen? But you're at the top. But you got there on your own. God wasn't in it. 
I would much rather stay in the valley and wait on God than to go to the mountaintop by myself. Amen. I've got to have God in my life. He's got to be in my marriage, my thought pattern. You've got to have God on the freeway. Come on, somebody. He has to be a part of our lives. And so here he is. He's searching now for, for knowledge, and he's searching for wisdom, and he had a bunch of it. And he said, I've seen it all. I've had it all, but I was just chasing in the wind. And the next search was about money and materials, Ecclesiastes 2 and 10. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. Can you imagine being a LeBron James with $154 million just to play, shoot a ball for five years? $154 million. But what I like about LeBron is he always says that my wife and my family and my children comes before anything. I like that about LeBron, that he at least speaks out. The one thing I wish LeBron would change, actually, I wish he would come play with us in Oklahoma. But the one thing I wish LeBron would change is I want him to stop saying the man upstairs. It's like, do you live in a downstairs apartment or something? Just go on and bust out LeBron and say, my God, the creator of the universe, the one that I walk with, the one that has given me the ability to play basketball and to shoot a basketball. Even in my mother's womb, I was ordained by God. That's what I wish he would say. But I'm not his coach. And so he's got, and they get all this money, $270 million to play basketball, and they got Seemingly everything he said in verse 8, I denied myself not one thing. And so this sounds like many in America spending, going, doing, building, planning, exploring, denying themselves nothing. But then when you read and you look on different things on the internet, some wealthy person has killed himself and committed suicide. Because something was missing. Something on the inside was missing. That's why I was out on that road in that 18-wheeler, and I, had, I, wasn't, I didn't have $154 million, but I was okay. But something on the inside was missing. I had walked away from God. I wasn't satisfied. My parents had taught me the principles of God, and I had walked away from God. I got tired of being around my grandmother with that old long, holy dress on. <laughs> I got tired of being around them. Timmy, I got tired of being around, hearing about Jesus, Jesus, everything was Jesus, and it seemed like there was no other life, and so I got away from all of that Jesus stuff, and I went into Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I began to let my hair down. <laughs> Come on, somebody. But I wasn't satisfied, because I had a praying mother. I had a praying mama. I, I was not satisfied because all those things that were ingrained in me as a little boy that Jesus Christ is all that you need. He is the Lord of your life, that you, you will not make it without him, that you need to learn how to pray. And I, that's all I kept hearing. And I knew I, I was so totally uncomfortable out there. And I finally turned my, gave my life back to Jesus Christ in an 18-wheeler coming down I 40, and the rest is history. And I still believe, and I am pretty well satisfied today. You know, I'm not telling you to go home and sell all your stuff. <laughs> That's not what this message is about. But we are, and, and here's what I want to say to mothers and fathers around the world today. 
at some point, and I know I got a friend today, he's going to check me on this one, but at some point, God has to go ahead of all of our children. Thank you for that one amen. But that was one thing that we couldn't get away with on Sunday mornings. I don't care if you were throwing up and puking all the way to the car, you were going to church. They would just tell you, bring your blanket with you. <laughs> but you're going to church. That's the one thing we had to do. And I have ten sisters and four brothers, and we would fill the church up. And we sit on that pew. We knew everything my grandmother was going to say. We could literally mimic her. we go, nye, 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 nye. Because we were there. We knew what the preacher was going to say. Every Sunday, the little buffers were sitting there in those little churches with no air conditioning. <laughs> sweating and fanning each other. Amen? Amen? But we had to go to church. And the other thing was, you could say what you wanted to say, but you had to go to school. And in my house, you didn't rule. That stuff my little three-year-old grandbaby was saying to me, they would have put her out in the back and tied her up. <laughs> they would have had, they, they'd have my little old grandbaby chained up, talking about, we're going to cast some demons out you this evening. <laughs> See, they'd have had her in shackles. What? What did you say? You're talking back? Boy, you try that today, you have DHS, the whole uh, Highway Patrol, Oprah Winfrey, everybody. <laughs> what? He hit you? Did he, he spanked you? You can tell us. That wouldn't be my mama. My mom be, yeah, I spanked him. Yeah, I hit him. What? Yeah, I hit him. And she would tell the police, I hit him, so you won't have to hit him. Can I get an amen? I'm going to finish this up, but we're we talking about being satisfied. And so it sounds like many in America, just, we're just doing our own thing. But it will be the same as it was for Solomon in your life. It will become meaningless. And I'm reminded in Luke chapter 10, when Jesus goes to visit Martha and Mary, and he goes into their home, and Martha is ripping and running and encumbered about with everything, just like us, when my granddaughter, the oldest one, comes in the house, I'm literally going to put a basket at the garage door and say, drop your phone right there. They, we just, our kids are just like this right here. It's funny, but Brian was said a little kid went into the journal a few minutes ago and sit his pad up on the journal while he's using the bathroom. <laughs> That's how preoccupied we are. And so Martha says to Jesus, do you not see Mary sitting at your feet? Why don't you tell her to come and be busy like me? Tell her to come and help me. And Jesus called her name two times. He said, Martha, Martha, come on now, chill out. You are encumbered about with all these preparations and everything, but Mary is sitting at my feet like people in America should start doing, sitting at the feet of Jesus Christ, and our lives would not be so jacked up. He said, you are worried about many things, but Mary is worried about the one thing, and this one thing nobody can take it away from her. And so how, why are you so busy today? And then he said, my heart took delight in all my work, and this was a reward for all my labor. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was still meaningless, chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. 
Now he goes into another uh, search for satisfaction. This man had 700 wives and 300 girlfriends. <laughs> Surrogate mothers, substitutes. 700 wives, listen to me. When you, if you write a book, <laughs> if you write a book on how to conquer one woman, I'm buying, I'm in. I'll buy it, how to conquer one. Because women, at one moment, you're cold. The next morning, you're going. The next moment, you're going. Are we hot? No, I ain't hot. We're pregnant. No, I'm not pregnant. Ooh, that's going to get some reviews. Oh, yeah, bro, you pregnant, too. So a different woman every day for two and a half years. Every day. And guess what he said about that? The wine, the women, and a different woman every day. He said even that was meaningless. So everything was meaningless. He went for 40 years so you and I would not have to go through this. He did it for in 2018, no man needs 700 wives and 300 girlfriends. Are y'all with me, man? Can I get an amen? Amen. Every man in here should have shouted amen right there. You don't need no 700 wives and 300 girlfriends because he did it for us and he said, don't try it, it's meaningless. And he operated out of three deadly sins, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And he said, I did it for you guys, so go chase after God. Go chase God down. Chase him down, run him down, chase God down and say, God, be like, be like the men of old in the book that said, I won't let go until you bless me. I'm going to be a God chaser. I'm going to be different than what's going on in the world. I will not change my philosophies and, and run with the world. I'm not of this world. I'm not of this world. I'm just passing through this mud hole. Are y'all still here? And so I'm going to give you this as we get ready to close in Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. Basically, Solomon was saying, listen, I did it for you. And here's the conclusion in Ecclesiastes 12 and 13. He says, now all has been heard. And here's the conclusion of the matter. He said, here's my conclusion. I had all the wine, the women. I had all the land, the animals. I had... People, I had honor. I had people coming from miles around. The Queen of Sheba came to see me. She brought me an incredible gift. I had it all. In fact, he had so much that he let the young girls turn his heart from God. And so he says, here's the conclusion of the matter, Oklahoma City in 2018. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. He said, that's it. He said, let me hook you up so you don't have to go through what I went through. He said, fear God. Bring them into your lives. Bring them back into your homes, into your marriages. Kick the offenses out of your life. Stop being mad and angry and got the biggest King James Bible in the state of Oklahoma. I mean, there's no, it ain't time for us to read the scripture. We got to live the scripture. Can I get an amen? It is not time to quote it. We got to live it. Now, for those of you, if you'll bow your heads with me this morning and you kind of got a glimpse of you not being satisfied, if that's you today, you're saying, Preacher, you know what? I have some areas in my life that I'm not satisfied and I need, I need help. I just raise your hand. You don't have to be ashamed. Just raise your hand. You say, hey, that's me. I see a hand right here. I see a hand back there. You say, hand over here. You say, man, I, I, I just, I'm not right here. Hands are going up in our building today at Mosaic Church. Mosaic means put, it, put them back together. 
putting the pieces back together. You said, Preacher, I'm just not satisfied in my life. There, there are some things that I see a hand right here. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. And I tell you what I want you to do. I just want you to make one more bold step. And for those that raise your hand, just stand up where you are. Just stand up. I'm not going to call you up. We're going to get ready to close. If you raise your hand, we're not trying to put you out there. You're simply making a bold statement today. I'm not satisfied. And so just stretch your hands toward heaven. I'm going to pray over you today. Father, you see them. You see them that were bold enough to stand up today and simply say, I'm not satisfied in some areas of my life. And so, God, I pray that they will take these teachings today, that Solomon had everything in the world, but he was not satisfied. And he gave us the key ingredient to success. He said, come back to the heart of God. Fear God. Let everything you're going through, let God be the biggest portion of it. Let him take control of your life. Father, I pray that everyone stand up with me today. Everyone stand. And I'm just going to pray that the spiritual winds of God is, as Mark is going to come up. Come on up, Mark. I'm just going to pray over him. I want to pray right now. Stretch your hands toward heaven right now. Father, let the spiritual winds of God blow through our church over this great crowd of people today. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for coming. I talked to a man today that said he hadn't been to church in 20 years. And he said he just couldn't find his way. He and his wife came today. They say they're coming back. And so, God, let the spiritual winds of God blow over your people today, God. Let us not be confused and taking on different philosophies and different concepts of life. But let us stay right down in the middle. Stay down in the saddle that you are children of the most high God. That you are the head and not the tail. Blessed coming and going. If God be for you, can nobody in the world be against you? You have been made more than a conqueror. You are all that in a bag of chips. We love you. Have a great day.